To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's going on, guys? I got this second part of this Jason Peak conversation to release to you guys. Um, just a really fun conversation. Uh, now, fair warning, we do start off talking about a little bit of yoga. <laughs> so it it's just like this outside-the-box thinking that really helps us. And uh, Jason's been able to relate it to his hunting. And in fact, he talks about preparing for a hunt where all he did was yoga. Um, but but it's played a huge role in my life, too, and a huge benefit, making me more flexible. And, and we talk about it on the podcast, and then we continue to talk about that preparing for a hunt so when you know you have a tag or you're planning on a hunt you know what to do to prepare and be ready and 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 come in and attack these hunts and give it absolutely everything you got and um you know we did talk a lot about mental toughness and mental attitude but it it, it's just all these these facets that go into making you a successful hunter so really fun with jason he's the perfect guy to talk to about it and um yeah i want to have him on the podcast again this was a great two-parter i'm really proud of it so i really enjoyed the conversation and enjoyed the end of it here and I, I think you guys will too. Uh, sponsor for today's show is Technew. So Technew is a company, they came out um, with their Technew product to battle poison oak and poison ivy. Um, so poison oak and poison ivy, it has this this oil that gets on you and the oil can actually stay for weeks. Like sometimes um, people have breakouts and it's because they got in their rig and they rubbed poison oak or poison ivy that oil on their seat or on their steering wheel but this removes that oil and so that tech is just an awesome product it also works to help get skunk smell out um so if you've ever tried to give a dog a tomato soup bath it doesn't work they still stink like a skunk well this actually works to remove the oil uh that comes off the odor of the skunk and um i i think um I think Ike had a, a run-in with one of his vehicles where he splashed skunk spray up on the vehicle, and the, the vehicle just stunk like skunk, and it was like his wife's new car or something. And so he gave it a bath in Technu to get the, the smell out of it. But it's just an amazing product made for poison oak, poison ivy. Uh, also works for skunk smell, works for um, sap on trees. If you ever get sap on your clothes or sap on your fingers, it works good to take that off. And um, they are coming out. Uh, they Well, they're... Let's see, revamping their line. They have the first aid gel, and they had it there for years. And I've heard this stuff is just like a, a miracle gel that really helps um, heal blisters. Like if you get a blister that's swelling up on you, you can put this stuff on. And um, supposedly coming from the guys at the office there, it's supposed to heal your blister within a day. Uh, coming from the guys from Technu too. But uh, yeah, just a, a great prod product. Uh, can't thank those guys enough for sponsoring the podcast. So if you have any poison oak or poison ivy uh, uh, you know, around your house or where you recreate, make sure you have some of this in your truck and, and uh, can take that nasty stuff off where that stuff itches. It's just horrible. I have it in this one place I run. And then what happens is, is my dog will get it on them. And then I'll pet my dog later or bring my dog home and my kids will pet my dog. Uh, so that's our run-in with poison oak and poison ivy. But uh, great product. Uh, thanks again to Technu. And um, yeah, out there at Eastman's, uh, yeah, we're just uh, uh, cranking right along. Uh, got that new website. Make sure you guys check out that. We've got a spot for the podcast on there. 
And uh, yeah, we recorded that one with Scott Reekers and um, just turned in that article for that backcountry issue, the EBJ. And uh, also going to get together with Guy and Ike here soon and and uh, sit those guys down and, and try to get a, a good recording from those guys. So um, they're just such a wealth of knowledge, those guys. So uh, yeah, I can't wait to sit down with them and and um, things are just moving right along. Gosh, um, hunting season is not that far away. So um, time to, to ramp up the preparation and, and um, make sure I'm ready and hitting off all cylinders. And uh, same with you guys. Make sure you guys are ready for these fall hunts that are coming up. So, um, well, let's get this thing rolling. So this is the second half of the conversation I had with Jason Peak all about preparing for your hunt. Uh, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been practicing yoga? What what got you started, and how long have you been doing? So um, I used to call them my man stretches, and now I finally went to calling it <laughs> yoga. Um, but my wife really got me started in it, and um, I was never I would never stretch before or after runs. And there's so much literature on either side that you can kind of read about stretching and athletes and things. And so I was kind of against it all the way through. You know, I wrestled as as a young man and then um, running and I didn't do much stretching, but I was having problems with my back and my neck. And, and with the construction I do, I would just tweak it out of place and it wouldn't really be lifting heavy stuff. It would more be when I'm like twisting on a ladder or I'm reaching out mm-hmm. for something and it would lock up on me and it would go out. And then I'd have to battle it for two or three weeks to get it healthy. And so my wife did a lot of yoga and started recommending it. And so, you know, at first I, I kind of – she'd show me some stretches and I'd start stretching and, and really like you – yoga is weird because you can stretch – and not feel it. But once you start to get in tune with your body, you can start to stretch deeper and feel it in different muscles in your body. And so the longer I did it and the more stretches she showed me, the more I got into it to where then, you know, I could find classes where I could do it or on the internet. Now it's, it's just a, it's a major piece of of my life really where I do it. I probably, you know, I don't do long sessions, but I, I definitely am, am doing yoga three, four days a week at least, and it just it helps so much with my flexibility. Well, uh, what about you? How did you find yoga? Yeah, well, and mine mine was just a, a mistake. I just kind of I, – I just – I was sort of in a, a weird spot in my life, and I was looking for something different, and I was kind of like you. I, I was sort of just curious about it, and I walked into a yoga studio one day, and – had a, a, a borrowed mat underneath my arm and, and, uh, uh, so, you know, I, I talked to other hunters just in general. Tom Foss, uh, uh, has, has, uh, done a bunch of yoga and, and he said it was really beneficial for his back. And so I, I kind of talked to him a little bit about it, but boy, I got more, more curious about it and walked into a yoga studio and just had a borrowed mat under my arm and said, Hey, I've never done this before. I, I, I don't even know what kind of class this is. And the, the yoga teacher, bless her heart, she, she said, well, you'll be okay. And I, I sat at the back of the class and, and just tried to mimic everything everybody else was doing. Um, and, and probably did a really bad job. But as soon as I was done, kind of like you, I was exhausted, but I had this supercharged energy. And my muscles felt great. I was, I knew I was going to be sore, but I, I knew there was a weird benefit to it. And 
um, I, I started, I, I really had a block in my head early on that, well, hunters don't do yoga. These are two worlds that should never collide. And like I said earlier, the, the more I do yoga and, and the more I compare it to our hunting lifestyle, there are way more similarities there than I realized when I walked into the first class. And, um, you know, I, 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 I just started really comparing the two and realizing that, you know, just sort of on the, on the ethereal level, the, 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 the high level stuff, I'm never going to have a mastered yoga practice and I'm never going to be able to master the art of hunting. So just get that out of your brain right now and, <laughs> and realize that, that that's a, that's a giant similarity between the two. You're always going to be evolving in both of them. You know, there's always something more to learn and something more to know. But then more so, like you said, I, I think you're hitting on it too, the body awareness. And I did, I, before an elk hunt, um, I did nothing. I, I put it to the test, and, and it was an early season elk hunt, and I said, screw it. The only thing I'm going to do this year to get ready for this hunt is yoga. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to pack big packs around. I'm not going to swim. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to do yoga. And so I set out a yoga schedule for about six weeks ahead, and I did all kinds of stuff. I did the hot yoga. I did vinyasa. I did everything that, that I could get my hands on. And I was shocked at how much better my balance was, at how more, uh, at how much more fluid my my movements were. Um, I would the body awareness part, like you said, I knew how to move. I started I started analyzing my gait up and down mountains and realizing that my hamstrings are now stronger. So I can, my foot strike, I can change my foot strike and I can get places more efficiently and quietly, um, jumping over logs, walking across scree fields, being quiet, you know, all that stuff. It just, I was shocked at how much the yoga helped me. And, and it could have been in my mind. I don't know, but, um, it, it just, it, it was such a weird, we could do a whole other hour on that. I think Brian, on just how yoga and, and hunting in a weird way, they sort of coincide with one another. Um, and you would never think that because most people that think, Oh, you're, you're, you practice yoga. Oh, you, you must love animals and you eat vegetables only and you hug trees. And I, 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 quite the contrary. <laughs> the yoga community, at least here in Reno, the yoga community, everybody loves that I hunt and everybody wants some of the venison and some of the elk and they're willing to trade the, the vegetables that they grow in their garden for the meat that I went out and got, you know, the, and, and so there's a lot of similarities between the hunting community and the yoga community, at least around here that, that, you know, I think we, we, we both realize that I'm, I'm never going to master hunting and they realize they're never going to be the, the ultimate yoga practitioner, but we're all kind of in this journey together and, and you do suffer, you suffer through class and you do have to concentrate you, you're, you're focused on the task at hand right then and there. And it's, it's the same in hunting. It's, it's amazing. I, I, I can't talk about it enough. And, and it doesn't hurt that that very first yoga teacher is now my girlfriend. So you, you can imagine how, how much more of an influence yoga has on my life now. And, you went all and in. <laughs> I went all in. And, and it's, it's so bizarre. It's, it's such a great story. And, uh, 
I, I started dating her, you know, a few months after I started practicing yoga and, and, uh, she is a teetotaling vegetarian yoga instructor that drives around in a Tesla and I've got the big truck. I'm, I'm, you know, the, the, the hunting, uh, the hunter with a big truck and, and, and I eat meat and we couldn't be further apart when, when it comes to lining up our, our lifestyles. But yeah, we, we just kind of make it work because we've got such a good, th- th- there's such a good basic connection between the things that we both really love. She loves yoga and I love hunting and, and we've got a lot more in common than I ever thought I'd have with a yoga instructor. That's for sure. So. Absolutely. Um, I'd, I'd love your, your yeah. insight into yoga and, and also your comparison between the two, hunting and yoga. And um, yeah, you're right. We we have so much in common with each other and you're both good people, you know, like um, hunters yeah, are good yeah. people as well as as a lot of the, the yoga people and, and even, you know, people from the other side are good people they want the best for for the united states for themselves for other people like and so if you if you can just connect in a you know in a in a safe space you know where you can you can conversate back and forth pretty soon yeah. they start to understand you and you're right there's so much more acceptance of, of hunters the people are, are are starting to see that that uh, we take so much pride in the the preparation and so much pride in in um, harvesting organic meat that we share with our friends and our family and so much pride in the the butchering process and the cooking process you know and that that we're good people and that 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 preparing for these tough endeavors you, you know preparing for them you know makes us good people or challenges us you know and it gives us passion in life and there, there's nothing better than hanging out with passionate people people that really love what they do and love life and work hard at it you know and and that's what you guys found in common or at least that's what i suspect you guys found in common right. with each other um but yeah right. it's so interesting you, you know how similar we are to, to people that we have totally opposite viewpoints from you know where if you can just connect and have a conversation conversation you you find like you say you have a lot more in common than you do different yeah yeah you 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 talk to them and and as they get to know you and as you get to know them you you kind of share more information uh they they can't believe that guys like you and me spend time and pay money to go out and be miserable out on a mountain with nothing but you know, uh, some nylon protecting us between, you know, be, sitting between us and the elements and suffering for days on end just at a chance to shoot an animal. And I tell them the same thing. I said, I, I don't know how days on end you can come in here day after day after day and strip down to basically your underwear, sit in 105 degree heat with a bunch of other people and 60 percent humidity and exercise you guys are just as crazy as I am. I mean, you know, and, and so once you kind of break down those barriers a little bit and realize that each side's a little bit crazy, but in a cool way, and you do start to appreciate, uh, you know, what other people are willing to do to kind of reach their goals. And they look at you and go, well, geez, I guess, I guess that's kind of cool. What, tell me more about it, you know, and, and a lot of really fun relationships get established by just, you know, knocking down the walls and not having any any presumptions about how somebody's going to react to you being a hunter. Um, and and man, I've I've gotten a lot of really good fresh vegetables in exchange for a lot of really good fresh venison, and had some really really good meals just by 
talking to somebody uh, and sharing experiences with them and, and being willing to kind of engage them a little bit. And I, I think, again, it's it, it's a little bit of a different mental approach, getting back to the mental approach to things. It's just a little bit different mental approach, but realizing that really when you boil it down, we all we're all similar. We're all looking for challenges and we're all looking for a connection of some sort, some way. Um, and you can, if you can find a way to connect yoga to hunting, <laughs> I think you can pretty much find a way to connect anything with anything. So, <laughs> um, it's, it, it is interesting. It's, 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 the, and like I said, we could go on for a, a much longer time about all that stuff that just, uh, the, you know, the, the, the different aspects of, of, um, how uh, we as hunters, um, we, we do like to be miserable, bow hunters specifically. We like to do things the hard way and we like to be miserable. Um, but there are a lot of other people that are out there and they really do appreciate it. And if you take the time to kind of explain it to them, they do appreciate you more. And, and uh, you do develop some pretty good relationships with people that don't necessarily know what hunting's about. Uh, and a lot of times, I, I don't know, I'm sure you've had this experience too, but you, you start getting questions and people start actually getting interested in it enough that they might actually go on a hunt, you know, which that's a whole other ball of wax. That's even more fun, you know, getting somebody out on their first hunt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. And you're you're right. Like the, the bigger picture, you know, for us as hunters, like we're not going to be the ones that make decisions whether we can hunt or not anymore. Those decisions are going to be, you know, not made by the people that are against hunting or the people that are for, but it's all the people in the middle. And, and there, you know, there has been negative stereotypes about hunters, about redneck and driving around and bloodthirsty and shooting things. And so, like anytime we get to talk to somebody that doesn't hunt and, and portray hunting in a positive light and, and just be able to share our passion for it and the pride we take in it, uh, it's so beneficial for, for the future of our sport and the future of hunting and, and, and how we're portrayed as hunters, you know. So I think you're right. Anytime we get this, this chance, and I, I do too, I get the chance to talk to people that don't hunt all the time. And you're right. It's amazing how quick they get interested in what you're doing. Now, how do you butcher it? Now, how do you get the meat out of there? Yeah. Now, how do you cook it? Now, is it good this way? Do those eat good? Are they gamey tastes? Like you just start getting – all these questions as they start really getting interested in, in in hunting and then what you do and then like you say your your commitment to it and, and living out in the elements and the the experience you get and, and and just the more that you can explain that and get your chance to tell our story of hunting and, and us us good hunters which the majority of us are all good hunters that abide by the rules and, and just have passion for the the outdoors and the mountains and being out there and and doing it and the fun for us is being out there doing it but any any time we get the chance to to tell our story and and tell our story to somebody that doesn't hunt you know you may be changing the mind of a future voter and they're changing the mind of people that they talk to then you know they they say well i know i know jason peak and and he's such a good guy he comes into the yoga class and he works so hard at at providing this organic meat and, and all of a sudden you know hunting's portrayed in more of a positive light so uh, I, I think that's so important in the bigger picture of things that we we all take the chance to do that and and we don't look at you know the other side as the enemy or not that yoga is the other side or i don't mean that but we we just look at people and try to have those conversations with people that we normally wouldn't have them with and, and just be honest and truthful with them but it's amazing how much interest they take in what we do yeah absolutely and and my 
current girlfriend, the relationship I've got with her is a prime example of that. She just, you know, she's, she's never, her family never hunted. She's never been around hunting. She's never been engaged in any of that. I was the first person I think that actually talked to her about hunting and you're right. Eventually those people will get to all those questions. And, and it's interesting you say that because now that I'm thinking this through, you do get a lot of the same questions from people that don't hunt. Um, and, and usually they go, you know, along the, the food lines first and then they, they go along the, well, well, wait, how do you, how do you clean it? And then it kind of gravitates over towards, you know, the, well, do you camp? Do you live in a hotel? What, you know, that, that, so you do, it, it, it has a natural progression of the questions that are asked of you from non-hunters. But I think if, if you do that, if you answer them in the right way, if you, you just approach them in a, a very positive way and an engaging way, you do. You, you sort of not really convince them, but you just show them another side that, oh, well, wait, this isn't as barbaric as I thought. And, and it's not just driving your pickup truck to the end of a, a cul-de-sac and laying across the hood of, of the, the vehicle and mindlessly shooting at animals. You know, it, 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 it's not that way at all. So, um, it's fun. It's been a challenge. Uh, this current relationship, my girlfriend now she's, she's, uh, definitely got her questions and she was skeptical at first, but uh, now she's really proud of, of what I do. And, uh, you know, she's, she's my number one fan, that's for sure. And she brags about it all the time. And, um, She's got a big family and none of them can believe they still don't believe she's dating a hunter. And it's just, it's just kind of the, <laughs> the approach that we've taken to our relationship. And, 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 and likewise, I'm, I'm probably the last person anybody would ever think would date a yoga teacher. That's a vegetarian and drives an electric car, Brian. It just, that's just not me, <laughs> So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it works. And, and it's, it's been fun. And, and I think if you, uh, again, getting back around to it, if you just open up your mind and realize there's a lot of different connections that can be made out there between the hunting world and other parts of it that don't necessarily uh, connect on on a, a a surface level. If you dig a little bit, I, I think we as hunters, especially bow hunters, I don't want to sound too snobby. I know that can sound a little snobby, but um, I think we as bow hunters, we work we work really hard and we're really meticulous and we pay attention to detail and we really do like the misery that comes along with it. I think people can respect that. And I think the, 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 the people that recognize that are, are good people as well. And I think they should be respected. And, and, um, you're always going to have that group of people that no matter what you, what you say or, or what you do, they're, they're just not going to agree with it. And, and that's okay. I, I get that. And yep. I don't, I don't agree with their lifestyle and they don't agree with mine, but you don't have to be disrespectful about it. Just, that's just the way it is. But um, I think you take the time and, and really keep your mind open open to the way other people look at us and then uh, try to approach it in a way that, that shows them that, hey, we're we're a different breed. We're not the we're not the guys that are um, driving around with, you know, dead things hanging off the back of our trucks and all that stuff. We're, we're just not like that. There's a there's there's more than one breed of hunter. That's and, it. 
lend so much respect and love for the animals too you know i um you know, there, there's nothing funner than than watching a mule deer or an elk or a bear and i us hunters we, we i mean heck we daydream about them all year long but um we, yeah, we just yeah. so much uh, respect for them and and take pride in doing things the right way too as a as a bow hunter taking ethical shots and and learning these lessons you know throughout and and i think the the lessons you learn in bow hunting and on a tough bow hunt you know i i think there's lessons you can transpose in life and they make you better at life you know when you when you go out and suffer and your life's in your own hands for 10 days and the decisions you make determine your own safety and and, and then if you you are able to to push past fatigue and push yourself mentally and physically and and you are able to execute a good shot and harvest an animal um it, you're so proud of what you've accomplished, you know, and the, those memories, they last a lifetime. But if you can accomplish that, all of a sudden these these little tasks in life, they get easier. And I I notice the more, you know, I embrace the sufferer and, and uh, embrace being uncomfortable or difficult situations, just, just the easier everything gets for me. You know, it's like all of a sudden it's not such a big deal, you know, uh, anything yeah, that comes yeah. out in life. But it – it, it's been it's been good for me just in general for just handling things that come up problems in life and and dealing with them and not getting overwhelmed so yeah hunting's been just been one of the 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 most positive things i, I ever could have found I've just i'm so fortunate that that my family hunted and introduced it to me and and just like you were saying taking first hunters out like it's so important for us to to share this you know share this and we were talking yesterday and you helped a guy out on a sheep hunt and you were talking about how you you almost help more hunters than hunts you go on yourself nowadays and i think that's a big part of it of enjoying life is just enjoying those opportunities to go out and share your knowledge and and as a bow hunter you get to be such a you know, I don't want to say a higher level hunter, but you you do you get you your, your knowledge gets to a higher level to where all of a sudden you know if somebody's rifle hunting you can really help them out as if you spent so much time learning the mountains and how to hunt them effectively and efficiently and you know the at at 200 yards or 100 yards you know the game's just beginning with a bow and and they're with a rifle you know you've got them in range and they still got to execute a good shot but I, I think that's um. You know, I, I think that's something that we owe back to hunting is is to take those first timers out or other people out and and share those experiences, you know, with our our family and our friends, and and I think that's important to do. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, um, you, you're you might be one of the lucky ones. I know I know a lot of hunters have some sort of a hunting influence in their family somewhere. Sounds like you had that going for you. Um, but you know, there's a lot of people that, that, that they don't even know what it's like to go hunting and they don't have that influence. I, I, I had a grandpa that bird hunted. That was the closest I got to really having a hunting experience. I, other than that, I, I bought my first bow when I was 19 and kind of just taught myself how all this stuff worked and man, it sucked. And so I, you know, again, as, as, as I get older, I kind of find myself getting more excited about and, and, and being more engaged in other people's hunts and, and wanting to help them get animals because I kind of feel like, um, you know, I, I learned a lot of lessons the hard way and man, it stinks to have to do that. So if, if I can help somebody else not have to teach themselves how to hunt, I'll do whatever I can. And, and I'll tell you what, it's, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, getting to watch bears and elk and deer and all that stuff. 
um, I, I get just as much joy out of getting somebody up in the mountains and showing them uh, a deer and then kind of explaining what they're doing and how they're doing it and why they're doing it and watching somebody just light up and realize, wow, this is mother nature. This is a real deer. And, and this is what they really do. This is how they really act. Um, that's so much fun, you know, shedding, you know, sort of peeling back the, the, the curtains for somebody and having them realize how much fun it is just to be around the animals. And then if they want to, you know, go the extra step and go hunting, well, then heck, let's do that, too. But um, there is it's, you know, part of being the ambassador for for uh, the hunting, I guess, the, the for for hunting in general. Um, that's one of the fun parts about it. And it shouldn't be taken for granted. You get to expose people to animal activity and, and, and hunting and all the fun stuff that goes into it and the work that goes into it. Um, but yeah, I catch myself doing that more now, being more, especially this year, I didn't draw anything, so I better be ready to go out and help other people, I guess, huh? But, uh, (laughs) but, uh, no, it's, it's kind of a, it, it is, it's, it's more, it's almost more rewarding. I'll, I'll tell you what, I had more fun on that sheep hunt, helping that guy get that sheep and helping him pack that thing out and, and, you know, just being around that experience. It was his first ram. It was such a great hunt. He had worked his butt off and had such close experiences with animals and just couldn't get it done. And then to be there with him when he actually got that animal on the ground, uh, and all the stuff that he kind of went through, it was, it was a pretty emotional time and, and it was fun to be there, uh, and, and packing that animal off the mountain and getting his pictures and all that stuff. It was just, it was great. It was so much fun. And, and, um, you know, ne- next to shooting my own Ram, I, I got to think that's one of the funnest experiences. And, and I guess reflecting a little bit and, and hoping that, that, people understand that there are ambassadors out there for the hunting world um, that are willing to kind of do whatever it takes to help somebody else be successful. That, that sure says a lot about us, us bow hunters anyway, right? Oh, it sure does. Yeah, it, um, it is. It's uh, some of my funnest experiences are just sharing those and, and they're fun to share with first time hunters who are just getting the, those first doses of adrenaline and seeing those animals and trying to keep them calm, but also enjoying the moment. But, but all the way to like my bow hunting buddies. And I, I've just seen so many incredible things in the woods. Like when you get in just that, that absolute insane elk rut activity where they're bugling all around you yeah. and you got a bow in your hands and you don't even need to kill one. But that excitement of chasing those are in that high country when you're in a basin and there's three or four different shooter bucks you're walking and watching that are you're trying to wait for them to bed down. But, you know, I've had so much excitement and thrill in my life that I, I just – you know, I want to share that. I want to share that with my bow hunting brothers that are out there and, and take them and show them that epic encounter and, and share one of those days with them. Or, you know, like some of my, my funnest hunts are, are sharing those, you know, like the, the hunts with my daughter. I take her on this adventure hunt where we camp and we, we just camp outside the truck. Eventually we'll kind of move to backpack camping, but we kind of camp out and we're five hours from home and we're hiking hard and hunting hard. And then she's been able to be successful and make really clean kills on these mule deer and you're just so proud as a dad you know to, to go in and share your passion with them like that or or sharing it with my dad who 
last year he he harvested his biggest mule deer to date and you know my dad introduced me to hunting and took me out and i was the first bow hunter in my family but but uh my dad took me out and he would take me you know every week and we would go and i grew up in washington hunting blacktails and roosevelts and he's really the one that that planted the seed and and kind of taught me about hunting and so to be with him last year and and uh, help him get his biggest buck to date um that'll be imprinted in in my memory forever you know it's one of my favorite moments hunting is to see him harvest that animal and 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 just how excited and and uh, how humbled he was and and how appreciative and um, being part of that moment is really special and it's you know it's a chance us hunters get too is that we get to keep learning and be in the woods uh, beyond our own tags and and uh, you know I I think that's another added benefit of it too is that you're hunting and you're glassing animals and you know you're outdoors and. You know, the pressure's kind of off, too. It's not really your tag or you don't have pressure on yourself to fill it. You're just kind of out there to show the person a good time and, and whatever happens, happens. And, and uh, But, yeah, I, I think that's a, a big part of being a hunter is is sharing that, you know, with your family and friends. And, and uh, also you find such enjoyment in sharing it with them, too. Those shared experiences are, are just a little bit different when you can sit back with a buddy and say, oh, remember that hunt we did in Wyoming and that high country? And, oh, what about that, that time off the cliffs or that lightning storm or that buck we're on, you know? And, and that's really fun to look back and, and do with a friend and share with a friend. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's when it's reciprocated, too, when you know that you being there is a big deal to the other person. You know, that that's what's awesome, too. You know, you're you're not only there for yourself to, to sort of, you know, enjoy the moment for yourself. But when you know that your presence there is very meaningful to the person that you're with that, I, I think that's what helps imprint it more than anything. You know, they appreciate you being there. You're providing value to their hunt. They want you there. They need you there. I think that's that's when it's actually everything clicks. And, and I'm with you. I would rather. I, I know those are the ones when when I get old and senile, those are going to be the ones that I remember are the ones that uh, you're, you're there. And I can't even remember who pulled the trigger. Or I can't even remember who, remember who shot the arrow. But I do remember who was there, what we did, the laughs we had, uh, how many cocktails we drank, whatever. But, you know, th- that's going to be the fun stuff. That's going to be the things that are that, that makes it memorable is when you both appreciate that each other is there going through the experience. Man, that's the truth um, for sure. Well, I, I've had uh, so much fun sitting down with you, Jason. you got to come back on the podcast with me. I think we could go another two hours easy, but we better wrap <laughs> this up. Um, I've got a buddy here at my house right now, my buddy Dan, uh, one of my good hunting buddies. And, and uh, so it's bear season right now, and so we've been out with our bows chasing bears. And so – uh, he's always fun to hang out with, so I think we're going to go out tonight. We got a really good spot and go hike in there and see if we can't turn up a big bear. Good deal. Well, good luck. I'm glad you guys are uh, chasing something up there, and I'm glad you, you you drew the tag that you were after, or at least one of the ones you were after. And uh, although I got to say I'm mildly jealous, uh, I, I, I I congratulate you. It's going to be a great season. I think we've got a great great weather pattern shaping up already i think we're going to see some pretty good horn growth this year in nevada um and i do appreciate you having me on the podcast too when i got the email and and started working on some of the ideas for this thing uh it it was fun it was enjoyable putting this thing together and i'd love to come back and chat more we've got 
I don't know, maybe 43 topics that we could probably cover <laughs> and, and, and do more damage on all this stuff. But uh, no, I do appreciate it. You guys do such a great job and, and uh, you're easy to talk to, which makes this process that much easier too. Yeah, well, I've always enjoyed your your writing and the journals, and it's just uh, it's really fun to to meet you, and then to have like this long in depth conversation and to to talk to you and 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 see what you're about, and uh, you know, hearing some of the adventures you're on. But I really enjoyed it, Jason. You're you're a tailor fit for this uh, podcast, so I definitely want to have you back on. We'll have to keep in touch. I'll get with you. You know, with this Nevada tag I drew here, and and uh, see if you want to join me on a hunt. I'd love to share a camp with you one of these days. And and uh, if you're ever interested in any of that Idaho information for for this season, that over the counter stuff, um, let me know and we'll get you set up. Yeah, appreciate it. I'd love to love to go with you. I'll always uh, I'm good behind the camera, and and uh, I'll I'll carry whatever you need me to carry. So there you go. Right on. Okay. Thanks again, Jason. <laughs> we'll uh, keep in touch and talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Brian. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Uh, really fun conversation there with Jason. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Uh, he, he's just got a, a good angle on things. And, and like I say, so intelligent in his approach and, and articulate it. He, he just describes it so well uh, and just makes great points as we're conversating back and forth. So um, really fun with Jason. Uh, man, I feel bad he didn't draw his Nevada tag on air <laughs> um man being a nevada resident um yeah i just i i feel so fortunate i was able to get a tag and um got lucky today anyways or got lucky here on this drawing so um it it's just a you know, tags are getting tougher and tougher to come by i mean that is the the truth of it you know it's um we just have to work harder and harder to be creative and to find these these tags that we can go on and over-the-counter hunts and there's really good hunting to be had you know all throughout the west in every state and and nearly every unit there's decent hunting i mean you can definitely hit a dud here or there and, and i have i paid my dues but um it just seems like there's there's really good hunting to be out there and to be had and and you can get tags year after year um you know you just gotta gotta expand your knowledge and just um learn more and take chances on these units and on these hunts and then go in and and hunt them really hard have the the right attitude going into them and and the right preparation, the right gear to be able to stay out there, and then just going hard during hunting season, covering miles and glass and terrain, and um, you know, you, you'll pick out a buck or you'll pick out a bull and and get your chances at them. And so I just love the the opportunity that that's still out there to be had in the West, and it's all it's all just separated by hard work. I mean, maybe it's um, you know, it's savvy of uh, being able to glass certain spots, but um, it, it just seems like the answer is if you keep working hard, you just um, you you find critters. If you if you put on more miles than everybody else, or more elevation, or uh, more scouting trips, more committed. If you you know you shoot your bow every single day. If you run and keep yourself in good physical shape, you, you're just upping your odds for success. Just the more you can do. Um, to, to be the best bow hunter you can be. And I, I know I love challenging myself with these backcountry hunts, and I know you guys listening do too as well. Otherwise, you wouldn't listen to me talk for just hours on end about uh, next-level uh, hunting preparation or next-level bow hunting. But uh, absolute passion of mine. 
just um, thank you guys for all the support. Um, also want to thank Technu, they're a sponsor for today's show. Again, uh, if you're around poison oak, poison ivy, this stuff removes the oil, so um, you also don't get it on your steering wheel or on your seat, and so you're having outbreaks all summer long. So if you're around poison oak, poison ivy, make sure you pick up some of that Technu and be on the lookout for that first aid gel. I think it'd be a good thing to have in your backcountry kit um, as far as a, a first aid kit. And um, I don't do much first aid because I'm such a minimalist, but you do have to be prepared for a bad scenario. And so I always have tape with me where I can tape up, um, you know, in a in a couple items. The the new thing I think I should put in there is like, um, oh, what do you the like the Claritin pills or um, you know, in case you get stung by a bee or something. And not that I'm allergic to them, but my cousin he about died there in Washington. He was going for a bike ride and scared the heck out of him. He's with a bike ride with a buddy, and he's way up on Capitol Forest, which is just a national forest that we have there around uh, Olympia, Washington. And so he's riding his mountain bike up there with his buddy, and so they're pedaling really hard. And I think he got like a bee down his shirt, and he got stung twice, like in his chest or uh, middle of his body there. And he said his throat started to swell up where he couldn't breathe. And they're so far away from help or from, you know, an ambulance being able to get there. And they didn't even have cell phone coverage up where they were at. And he had to sit down and he's a, a firefighter, paramedic, goes on a bunch of these calls. And so he was able to keep cool and calm. It's really fun listening to him tell the story. But just control his breathing and focus on getting his breaths in and out. And after 20, 30 minutes or so, maybe it was longer. I'm just trying to recall his story. But he was finally able to breathe right and then able to ride out of there. But uh, he got himself an EpiPen and carries that with him. But I, I don't think it's a bad idea to, to have some Claritin or something. I mean, you just don't know. Like, I'll get these things in my cuff lines like in my wrist cuffs or my neck cuffs or sometimes in my clothes. I call them a noceum. I don't think that's what they are, but something will bite me where I swell up really bad. And it happens like in the woods while I'm hunting. Like I always get one antelope season crawling around the prairie, but I seem to get them throughout the season and they're like a little bite or something. And sometimes they'll bite you three, four, five times, you know, and so you'll have a bunch of bites on you, but they really swell up bad on me. In fact, like the first time it happened to me is I just had this huge, you know, elbow of a lump on my arm. I actually went to go see the doctor and um, ever since I've just kind of wrote it out. But, do you know, just having that Claritin in your in your pack or whatever, you know, and having some Advil in there, a little bit of a pain reliever, you know, if you stress a knee or twist an ankle and have to make it out, you know, that stuff could really help you. And I don't take much of that, even as much as I run, hardly ever. But if you really need it or if you had like a headache or something, boy, to, to have some Advil or some Tylenol in your kit uh, would be worth its weight in gold. So, um, anyways, uh, make sure to check out that tech new first aid gel. It'd be a good thing for your first aid kit. And, um, with that, I'm just trying to get everything done here and get to Hawaii. Um, I just got another picture for my buddy, Sean. Uh, so I've got three buddies over there. I'm really excited to see him and hang out with them and, uh, have my family with me, but, um, those guys are just straight killers. They always have been, but I, I want to sit down and record a podcast with them. They've been to New Zealand. Um, we'd like to put together a trip, um, with all of us to back to New Zealand to hunt tar. And, um, they hunted a couple other things there. I think they, I, I, you know, I don't know how they did it. Uh, the red deer and the, um, 
you know, there's, there's a bunch of cool things to hunt there in New Zealand. But anyways, just great guys from Hawaii, but they're going on adventures all over. Those three guys just live to bow hunt, and I've talked about them before, just what good guys they are and what they do for their friends. They just do anything for their buddies. Um and it, it's just, it's infectious to be around. It's really cool to be around. And, and every time I'm around it and I see them back and forth, I mean, they'd absolutely give you the shirt off their back and, and go shirtless if, if that's what you needed to, you know, to do your hunt or they just, um, they go over and above the call of duty. And so, you know, it's infectious when you hang out with them, you get that way and you you realize like, that's, that's the, those are the friends I want to have, you know, and, and me in my life, I do, I have some great friends around Montana here that, that I do anything for them and they do anything for me. But, uh, same thing with those guys from Hawaii. I do anything for those guys. They're just really good guys. So it's going to be fun to, to hang out with them. And then I just can't wait, you know, if it works out and I get to hunt mouflon sheep, that'll be fun. And really I, I'm, I'm easy going. It's a, it's a vacation for me and the family and I'll get some bow hunting in. I'm sure of that, but, uh, they're just rutting like crazy right now. Sean killed a really nice buck. Um, and you kind of measure him on length of horn and he didn't give me a length, but it looks like a wide one. I mean, that thing looks 34 if he's an inch, 34 inches tall if he's an inch. Uh, just a great buck, wide frame, heavy horn, older one. So he sent me a picture of that and then they, him and, and Janus doubled up a couple weeks ago too and they killed two really nice bucks again so yeah those guys have been getting some good axis meat and I guess the rut's going and so um yeah I'm pumped I gotta get out of here at about four in the morning so we'll get this podcast all um ready to release to you guys while I'm gone and and um yeah I'm gonna go have some fun and have that bow in my hands and turn that cell phone off for a while it's it's uh, gonna be pretty cool so Anyways, that's what that's what I'm up to. I think there's a few days left to bear season when I get back. You know, I'm I I gave it I gave it a good season this year. So, you know, I got nothing to feel bad about. And I've had two close encounters with good boars in bow range, and I passed a couple other smaller ones, you know, that I just want it to be a bear that I'm happy with and doesn't have to be the biggest ones in the woods, biggest one in the woods, but definitely has to be a big mature one, you know. And so, um, it's just been holding out. I was really close on that jet black last weekend and then um yeah, I just it's just getting good. It's just been a late season here and we've had that snow hang on and so usually this is this prime time throughout May, but the beginning part of May was a little slow, is like a couple weeks behind. Um but it's been a great season. There's a few days left of bear season when I get back, so um you can bet I'll probably be out those last couple three, four days looking for a chance at a blackie. But uh, I love that black bear season. It sure is challenging. Um, you know, especially with the bow and arrow, but, um, that's what I, I love and embrace is the challenge. And the good thing is, is if I don't fill my spring tag, that that's uh, good for a fall tag. And, uh, yeah, I'd hunt a bear in the fall. I'd actually go focus on them too. I know a couple drainages where I've always seen bears in the fall. And so, um, yeah, if that's the case, then we'll just have to, to move it and shift it to fall. But, um, like I said, I think I do have three or four days left when I get back, but, Anyways, I better get my stuff all ready to go and load it up and get my alarm set. I think um, Dan's coming down. I think he's going to bear hunt, um, so he'll watch the house for me while I'm gone. He's going to stay here and bear hunt a little bit, and so hopefully he connects. Um, so we'll we'll set him up and give him the information I have and um, send him on his way. So uh, thanks a bunch, you guys, for all the support. Uh, just so humbled at how well the podcast is doing and um, picking up new listeners and um, just amazing, like a, just this you know, working class blue
blue collar bow hunter like me and um, been able to to pick up this audience. And I'm just amazed at how many quality hunters uh, listen to the podcast. And not that I should be. I mean, it's just um, it, it it's just like this 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 humbled feeling, I guess, that you have really quality bow hunters that produce game animals year after year and do well in their own right that they listen to the podcast, but it doesn't make sense. Like all us good bow hunters are all trying to get better. It's like this ever evolving circle that you never perfect and you never master and something that you have to keep obtaining knowledge and you have to keep working at and you're always working on new theories, uh, how you're going to outsmart deer, how you're going to outsmart elk, a new approach or a new thought on it. And um, it it's podcast has just been great for that being able to to talk to those guys and and um learn from them and ask them questions and and uh you know questions that are pertinent to the public land bow hunting that i do so it's been so fun to me and i i'm just so humbled at at the audience we have and in all different tiers like uh there's starters and beginners that are listening to the podcast and picking up information and there's absolute pros that are that are listening to the podcast picking up information and everywhere in between and i I think that's what's so cool is that, um, you know, we're, we're able to reach like a broad audience and, um, you know, we're, we're still just a small podcast that's, that's put together, you know, in, in, uh, my, my studio, which is my office in my basement, but it's, uh, you know, we're, we're just still a small podcast, putting out good information, having good conversations. And it's, it's cool that that's grown and done well. So, all right, I've been rambling long enough. I got to get out of here. I got to get a, get to Hawaii. You guys got to get on with your week. Keep preparing for those hunts. Keep working hard. Uh, check in with you guys next week.